Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I have a really cool guest with us. Uh, his name is Eric Nevins. He runs the Halfway There podcast, and he is also the owner of the Christian Podcasters Association group on Facebook. And you know, we met, well, I'm not quite sure how we met, but I found it to be kind of cool. So, Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, Teresa. I'm, how are you? I'm Thank doing... You. Thank you for what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. No, I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Now, you run the Halfway There podcast, and you talk about a subject that at first when I, when I think about it, I'm like, what? That sounds like a billion-dollar term that doesn't really say a lot. You're really interested in something called spiritual formation, right? Yes. Yeah, spiritual formation is something that I've just always been interested in. So that of late has come out in my podcast halfway there. If you could sum it up in a couple sentences, what is spiritual formation? Spiritual formation is the process by which we grow and change in a spiritual way. You know, for me, the way this became a interest was... As a kid, growing up, you know, I went to a small church, and it was a great church, lots of great people there. But I looked around, and I wondered why we seemed to have the same conversations, we seemed to have the same, the same discussions and arguments and kind of things over and over and over again. And I wanted to know, like, why don't we change? Why, why don't we grow? And so that sparked in me this kind of desire to see, you know, how, how do we actually change? I was not convinced that the answer was just learning more. As I learned more about spiritual formation, the topic, and how that actually works, I learned that it's not just what you know, it's what you experience, which is why on, on Halfway There, we talk about the Christian experience. If you had to sum up the question that, that, that most people are asking around this topic, you know, because under Resolve Life, we, are, we, we deal with questions, and we try and find the answers to those questions. So, if you had to sum up this topic in a single question, what would it be? What about the Lord makes your heart come alive? That would be the question I would ask. And here's why. Because wherever you are spiritually, at each different stage is what I was going to say, which they're not necessarily linear, and they're not always easy to categorize. But at each particular point in life, you can kind of see that there are different things. You'll discover different things about who God is and who you are that will kind of get, get you passionate and get you excited. I would phrase the question that way. What is making you or lighting you up about the Lord right now? But see, that, and within that question is a deeper question. Are you saying that someone can come alive, that there is a huge difference between just existing and actually living? I think there is a way. So it's interesting you say that. I think there's a way that we could live, whether we're talking about our faith or not, there's a way that you can live and be half dead. You can just go through the motions and do do the things you're supposed to do without actually being fully present, fully alive. I think it was Irenaeus who said, the glory of God is in a man fully alive. So I'm always striving for that. Not I live a typical suburban life. So not not always achieving fully alive. So what does that look like? I mean, let's say someone says, "Okay, now you have my interest," but what does that look like? What does it look like as a in life or is or spiritually? Both. 
Okay. Uh, well, that's a great question. And you know what? That's kind of what I'm in pursuit of. That's a, one, one thing we do on, on Halfway There, and you've experienced this, is we like to talk about all of the experiences that we have with God. So, you know, I don't think there's one answer to what does it look like um, at any given point, because sometimes it looks like learning a ton. You know, I've had people, when I ask them about their their faith journey, sometimes they tell me their, how they came to, you know, faith in Jesus, and that is a huge moment for them, and, it, and for most people it is, but you know, they, they tell that and you can hear in their voice that they get that they get excited. And other times, you know, I've had people say to me things like, after I came to Christ, I learned, I sat and read the Bible every day for three years, and I read it like five times in a row, or cover to cover. That looks, that's passion. That's like, that's living for, you know, knowing God and trying to find and discover something for, of God within the scripture. So it's things like that. Like, I don't know, does that answer your question? Sort of. I mean, are you suggesting then that God can actually be found? Of course. Well, I mean, you say of course, but like to some, that concept may be something radical. I mean, we think about it because if yeah. if you're saying that, then wait a minute, what am I chasing? Because when we say we're looking for God, what are we actually looking for? I think there's a different dynamic, um, just depending. You know, there's that verse in Scripture that says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. The The weirdness of that is that, yes, I think all of us are on a, a heart journey looking for the place where our heart comes alive, where our heart, where we know, where we're known, where we're fully alive. And at the same time, I think the Bible is really clear that not just are we seeking him, but he is seeking us. And so, you know, we don't always, it's not just that we are trying to find him. He's trying to find us too, which theologically that's imprecise a little bit, but that's okay. Right, you know. right, right. Yeah, I do. Um, the You know, where, where the Bible says, you know, uh, we loved him because he first loved us, that kind of thing. One of the things I want to do is kind of turn the tables on uh, you because you've done a lot of questioning of others and kind of going after their spiritual journey and trying to figure things out. And I decided I wanted to kind of turn the tables on you. How did you come to know Christ? Yeah, you know, I grew up in a Christian house, and so our Christian family, I think going back several generations, our families were Christians. We were the family that was always involved in church. My parents volunteered. We were there every time the doors were open, which back in that day was at least two to three times a week. So I think when I was a young kid, we still went to Sunday night church, you know? Uh, I know, right? Nobody does that anymore. Uh, but... uh Used to so we go so we go Sunday morning Sunday night and then Wednesday. My parents were involved in a variety of ways. We were like I said, we were always part of kind of smaller churches. You were there, you had to contribute in some ways. And if you were, what uh, denomination were you involved in? In my like teen years, it was an evangelical free church, which I always hated that name because it sounds like you know cholesterol free, but it really it really means we were evangelical and we were. Free, so that each each church in the evangelical free denomination kind of is allowed to rule themselves. They don't have a lot of they have some uh, denominational oversight and guidelines, but not a ton like some denominations will, where they'll actually run your or tell you what to do in certain kinds of. Um, so it's kind of that, but you know, the, theologically, it was really sort of an Arminian dispensationalist kind of kind of view. So there was emphasis on uh, the end times on choice, on 
piety and, and being pure is not the word, but just on doing the right things, I guess. Right. On being holy as God is holy, that kind of thing. Yeah, I have some experience with the evangelical free. I've attended a couple of my times. So, um, okay. So you grew up in an evangelical free church. So at what point did it go from, okay, I'm attending because that's what our family does. What, at what point did it become real to you and what did that look like? I want to be as specific as I can, but I don't really remember a too many, uh, or, or one particular moment. Like I, I remember believing in the Lord all the time. There were certainly moments when I had to choose whether or not I was going to, going to follow him. And, you know, I'm trying to think of a, think of a, like a moment when that happened. But as growing up, it really, there really wasn't any kind of moments. There were moments of dedication when I felt the weight of my sin or I felt the, the kind of chaos around me. My family was, even though we were a Christian family, we were fairly unstable in some ways. My mom and dad just never got along. And and how did that, I mean, because that statement right there, when you say your family was unstable, a lot of people might relate to that. How did you deal with that growing up? The same way I did most of the most of the time, uh, even after I did, did grow up, was I ran away. <laughs> you know, I just tried to tried to hide from it. I tried to do other things that would make me make me feel better. I think uh, so. You know, I spent a lot of time with my friends. You know, when I was finally old enough to do that outside of the house. You know, I got eventually into the creative stuff. I was in a band for a while. That was kind of fun. We never really did much, but gave me a place to go and be creative. So you basically tried to numb it by doing stuff outside of the house. Yeah. And, you know, I saw that in relationships too. So some things that were missing, I was, I would try to, you know, I'd have a girlfriend or something that I would spend a lot of time with and try to kind of fill that affection void, I think. At what point, because I, I assume at some point you had to come kind of face to face with things. And then when did that turn into you actually going, hey, I want to follow God and I want him to be real. And I want to, and, and how did that lead into the podcast? I always love the Lord. Like I, I can never see it. I can never, I don't have a time when I di- didn't believe really. But there, ha- there were certainly moments of crisis where I had to decide that I was going to follow him instead of continue to hide. So here's one story. Um, and I've, I've told this elsewhere. I don't think my wife would mind me sharing it, but we, we were married. So we got married about 21, both of us. And we moved from our hometown to Chicago. And so I was going to school. I, I had decided uh, that I wanted to, to be a pastor. And so I was going to go get a Bible degree at, at a school. And so we got married and we moved away. And about, after about five years, things started to break down. We were having a hard time relationally. We had also had our first child, um, which is a hard time anyway. That's very difficult. Um, you know, as, yeah, if you have kids, you know that. it's You're not sleeping. I'm not good when I don't sleep. So <laughs> I have to take care of myself that way. And I don't always do a good job. But that was, that was a really tough time. I think we were pretty mature. And also at the same time, my parents were getting divorced. When I look back at it now, I can look back and say, you know, that was a serious crisis of all of my family relationships at the time were, were breaking down and was having trouble. And I didn't have the relationships with people that I needed in order to, to go through or to, to get through that well. And I don't think, honestly, I was vulnerable enough with anybody to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm really learning about vulnerability here. And so this, this stretches me a little bit <laughs> to share all this personally. but. It's important. It's so important to do. So that's, that's what we're doing. But Guys, I, I just want to step in and say, hey, 
wherever you're at on your journey, vulnerability and, and having that person or group of people that you can just open up to is so crucial. I can't even tell you how crucial it is. And it really needs to be out someone outside of your family. Okay, someone that can kind of take a look and go, well, actually, have you thought about this? Or or someone just to hear you. Um, I cannot tell you how crucial that is. Yeah, I think it's, it's important to have somebody who can speak the gospel to you and tell you that you are loved by God and that your sins are forgiven, um, whether you've done something or you've been sinned against. And to be able to take that and um, someone needs to be able to speak that into your soul. And sometimes it needs to be repeated over and over because sometimes you get to a place where you, while you want to hear it, maybe life has just been too brutal. And so you're kind of going, I don't know. I can't, I can't accept that. So you start going to school. Now, was this the time that you went to seminary? Um, I went to Trinity, which is a, a school. It's an evangelical free school near Chicago. It's kind of the northern suburbs. And uh, I got, I had to get my bachelor's degree. So I got that. In biblical studies. Yeah. Okay. So I got to go back and finish this story. So anyway, we everything is kind of breaking down and I'm just kind of a mess. And my wife and I have this argument. In fact, at one point we hadn't spoken to each other for like five days. And uh, that was at the worst. And so she finally says to me one night, we're going to bed. She's like, are we going to talk about this or are we not? And I was just furious. And so I, I just let loose on all the stuff I was mad about. And then she responded. And it was one of those late night fights, you know, when you like really should be asleep and uh, you're just fighting late into the night. It went on for, for a long time and some of it was talking and then we'd get upset and then it was all that. And finally, I got, I just got angry. I said, I, fine, I'm done. And I left the room and I went out into our living room. And what I remember about that was that room, it was a, it was this huge room. I think it was like, I don't remember the dimensions, like 20 by was 17 or something. It was just this really big cavernous room with tall ceilings and it felt big, it felt dark and it felt empty. And that was how I felt. I just felt very alone and very scared and very empty. But, but see, this is where I look, like I look at it now and I go, what I did was the right thing to do because I didn't get, even though I was mad, I wasn't mad at God um, or even if I was, what I did is I took it to him. So, after a while of being out there, pretending like I'm going to sleep on the couch, I started to pray and I started to ask God to speak to me and take all this stuff to him. And like, I don't understand. And why is she treating me this way? Why am I like this? Whatever. All this stuff. I couldn't describe it to you now, but I just had this sense of God's love come over me and his His hand of just comfort. And uh, so then, you know, I'm crying and I'm kind of a mess. And then my wife came out. And um, and then finally we were able to actually have a conversation, a real conversation about, you know, the stuff that was going on and how we could make our relationship better. But that moment was, was one moment when I said, okay, God, I'm yours. You know, I'm, I am going to do what you asked me to do. I'm going to be obedient. And so after that, I actually got baptized. I'd never been baptized as a kid, even though I had professed Christ. My parents didn't really force that issue and neither, neither did my church. And so I just never did it. So I actually got baptized after that. I think I was 25 or 26 when that happened as, as kind of a step of, of obedience. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that, that to me is kind of cool because what you're saying is you encountered, you encountered God. And a lot of people kind of go, well, that's interesting. But 
that sounds cool. I'm glad you were able to do that. But he wouldn't encounter me. You know, I don't know what to say to those people. I would say, how do you know if you don't try, right? I mean, you go back to what we said earlier, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call out or pray, ask him to, to speak to you, and you might be surprised. That's one of the things I've learned. I'm spiritual enough to believe that there is a spiritual aspect or element of things around me. But I've always been a little bit of a, a little bit shy about kind of supernatural experiences like that. But when I started this podcast, I've had numerous people on Halfway There speak about when God has spoken to them. And, you know, I think you had a cool story about that, right? Where, yeah, where, where, you, where you go, okay, that wasn't me. It wasn't in my head. I'll have to tell you another story here in a minute, but it, it was outside of me. And, but, and yet it was, it was something that I heard. And so then you got to reckon with it. I think if you seek God and you ask him about that, he will do those things. He will speak to you. I, I honestly believe so too. And a lot of people, they say, well, God only speaks through his word. And while I believe his word is an authority, it is the authority. It is the uh, handbook by which we live our lives. I don't, by any means, believe that is the only way he speaks. I, I just have seen a little too much to think that once his word was written, he went silent. Yeah, that's kind of depressing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I don't like that idea, and and I like it less and less the older I get. And the more the more I hear the experiences of God's people when He does speak. So this is actually something that I that I learned. So eventually, I, we ended up coming out to Denver because Denver has a spiritual formation program. It's part, it's part of all of their degrees. So they want to make sure that when you're in at seminary, Denver Seminary, that you've got some spiritual formation that you're that you're attending to your heart, not just your brain, which is fantastic. That was something that I needed. That's why that's how we ended up out here. When you went to seminary, is there something that like really stuck out to you when you went there and that you learned coming out of there? You know, here's one thing that I learned. There, there's so many things. Like it's spending time. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. All right. Yes. Thank you. That's exactly where I was trying to go. So in that, in that program, one of the things that we had to do was we had to we had to write a paper that encompassed all of our theological beliefs, and that was for me a truly formational experience. It changed the way that I think about God and changed the way I think about Scripture. So one of the things that you so you write all about all these topical topics within the theology. You have to you have to write down what you what you believe. They don't want you to defend it. You just write down, here's what I think. And then you go before a panel of two professors, and then they ask you questions about it. And they just want to make sure that you can represent yourself well and your views within a certain parameter, right, of orthodoxy. So I'm writing this paper, and I get to Scripture, a revelation, not the book of Revelation, but God revealing himself. And I think... Um, so what I think I'm going to write about when I get to, I'm going to write about scripture and I'm going to write about uh, inerrancy and infallibility and all those things about the Bible. I remember I've got a degree in the Bible, right? I've just spent a ton of time studying the Bible. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. Well, what I discover is that actually uh, scripture is only one of the ways that God reveals himself. And we don't ever really talk about it, at least I didn't in my, my tradition. We just talk about scripture. but there's other ways. And so there's these kind of pinpoint 
way that God will speak to you. Like he, he shows up and he speaks to somebody like he speaks to Moses at a burning bush. That's a way of God showing up and revealing himself. He also speaks through scripture. But then the, the primary way that God has revealed himself is in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is what God is like. Um, I think Brian Zond is the one that says that uh, a lot. But yeah, Jesus is, I think it's in Colossians. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So what? So I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, so it's not just the Bible. So why do we spend so much time on the Bible, right? Only, why do we only emphasize? There must be a way of having a personal relationship with God. And what happens if I do have one of these experiences where I experience God or God says something to me? So here's something I, I came to. I think they go in an order of priority, which is Jesus and then scripture and then individual revelations. What you're suggesting is for some people, they'd be like, what? Yeah, and I'm not saying scripture is not important. How far be it from me? Like I said, I've got, I've spent a, a lifetime studying this stuff, but it's not the only way that God speaks. And here's why I think, because God is personal. He, he's not a book. He's not a, a, you know, a manual or not a manual, not Emmanuel. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> set of rules. He is a person. He's not a human person, but he is a person, and therefore he is personal, and he speaks personally. So that's how I came to, to kind of reason it. Like I said, when I started interviewing people for my podcast, I started seeing examples of this all over the place. Now, what I would say is that, like I was, I guess I started to say that I would put them in an order of priority where Jesus is number one, Scripture is second, and then my personal experience of what God is calling me to do is third. But at the same time, both of those, Scripture and my personal experience of God, are subject to the larger community. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I have a personal experience with God and I feel like God is telling me to do something, I probably need to submit that to at least one or two other people, or maybe a larger group, depending on my situation, and ask if this is, seems right to some godly friends, you know? Does this seem like the right thing? I can actually attest to that one. I mean, starting unresolved um, was definitely, it was not something I had planned. It was definitely not in any way, shape, or form planned. In fact, when this started, it started because God was telling me to write a book, and I was like, let's not and say I did, shall we? And that led into this podcast, and... You know, one of the first things I did is I went to people I trust and I said, does this sound like a good idea? So what you're, what, what I'm hearing you say is that yes, God speaks. He speaks through his word, but he also speaks to you personally. But, but he, he, he's not calling you to be a lone wolf Christian. He's not wanting you to just go out and, okay, now you heard him. He wants you to make sure and get confirmation. I think you need to be in community. And you would submit what you what you think you've heard to a community. And the reality is, Scripture itself, if you accept Scripture, then you are submitting to a community. Because the Bible did not just show up altogether. It was a bunch of letters, a bunch of texts that somebody at some point put together and said, these are our sacred writings. These are the ones where we think God speaks to us through. And we want you to... Uh, or we're going to put it forth as an authority in our lives, right? But that's but that was done in a community. Now I know some people dispute how it was done or whatever. I don't want to need to, but it is done in the context of a community. 
if you are a believer today, you are the beneficiary of that community. You are subject to it. So it really does. The uh, a very good friend of mine, you know, he's passed on now, but he said anything taken to extreme becomes error. Okay, and so I really, I really do get what you're saying. So let me, let me, let, let, let's go to the podcast for a second. You, you're doing, you're, you're talking to these people, and you're, you're, you're hearing these stories. And let me tell you guys something. If you want a really well done podcast, and you guys want something uh, where you learn about the Christian experience and learn more about things, I strongly recommend you check out Halfway There. In fact, I will be linking to my appearance on that show. In the show notes. That being said, how many shows have you done so far? Last, sorry, this last week was episode 79. Right, so close to 80 shows. Yeah, which is hard to believe. Yeah, I bet. I bet. In that time, has there been one theme or one a number of themes that have stuck out to you in your interviews? Well, yeah, there have been a couple. So one is that I think God still speaks. That was definitely a big one. Um Another one that I just love is that God uses us, and we just need to be faithful with what God, what we feel like God is calling us to do, because He will use us. So I'll, I'll give you an example. There's a guy called his name was Dan Rudman. Dan, how he came to Christ was he was in college, and he came back to the dorm, and they were showing a film in the common area, whatever, showing a film, and it was about relationships, and he, you know, was in a young man. Might he was like, oh, I'm kind of interested in that. Maybe I'll stick around. And then he pretty quickly realizes, oh, this is religious. And so I'm gonna. So he takes off. But then he's sitting there in his room, and he's like, you know what? Maybe I need to hear something that they're saying. And so he goes back, and he lurks in the back, and he watches this, this film. Well, that film was by a guy named Josh McDowell. You might have heard of. Him. And in the at the end of the of the film, Josh McDowell challenges people to. Just get a Bible. If you're intrigued at all, get a Bible and read the book of John. So Dan tries to do that. He can't find the book of John. He gets a Bible. He can't find the book of John. He ends up in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Reads it and goes, what's going on here? I don't, you know, there's this light and this darkness and there's, which side am I on? He feels pretty sure that he's on the darkness. And so he wrestles with God over this for several weeks. And finally, he gives his life to Christ. He says, Lord, I, you know, I don't care if you have to kill me or take my life. Just let me be on your side. And that's how he comes to Christ. Here's the kicker. This is what I love. This is uh, this is episode number 41, if you guys want to go listen to it. But he said, that RA who showed that film, he never saw him again. Dan tried to find him. He tried to go look for him. He tried, he tried to track him down in the days of social media. Can't find the guy. What happened to Dan is he ended up being an evangelist. So Dan actually goes, he's, he is in the, uh, he's, he's in Lawrence, Kansas, and he he does uh, like campus ministry and things, but he has traveled all over the world, preached the gospel to thousands of people, seen them come to Christ, and spread the kingdom of God all over the place. This RA, who was just being obedient to what he was supposed to do, basically God used him to bring Dan to Christ and to bring untold thousands of other people to Christ, and the RA has no idea and won't know. He'll never know until eternity. I'm reminded, I was just listening to a passage, or uh, Skip Heitzig, who's a Calvary Chapel uh, pastor down in Albuquerque. And, you know, one of the things he said, he said, you know, if you, well, in this context, he was talking about giving, but I really, I think the uh, principle applies. And he was saying, you know, 
I think for some of you, you're going to show up in heaven and someone is going to walk up to you and say, thank you. And you're going to go, well, for what? Well, because of what you did, because of, you know, you gave out a track, you, you donated to this missionary, you did this or you did that. And we never really spoke in person, but because of your effort, I'm now here. You know, and to me, that, that's massive. I call that ripples of the gospel. And that, I feel like there's, you know, you share the gospel and it just kind of waves out like a, like a drop of water into, you know, into, into a pond or whatever. You can see it and you can see the ripples flow out and you never quite know how far they go, right? They could go further than you would even imagine just because you obeyed. So that, that's one thing. I feel like no matter what happens, uh, you have to be faithful to what it is you think God called you to because you may have a plan for that and you might not get to know the outcome. But your job is to be faithful. Yeah, that's really kept me going because it's hard podcasting. You know that. <laughs> it's hard. It's times, but so you so just hold on to that. Go well. Maybe I don't know how God's using this, and I'm going to keep doing it. Let's back up a minute and let's. I mean, because we've referred to the gospel, and there may be some here and go. Okay, you guys are definitely in 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 the church, but man, I'm listening because I've got a lot of questions. You know, I'm listening because I've got a lot of things to sort. And what is this gospel you're talking about? Well, I think in short, the gospel is that that God loves you and wants to have you be part of his tribe, you could say. That's that's kind of how we'd say it today. You know, it, it might be a little more complicated than that, but I think that's really what it boils down to. You know, if you're somebody who struggles with whether or not God exists, you know, I think my answer to that is look around, tell me what you see, and I could probably point you to how that reflects the God of the Bible. You know, you so for instance, you look at the beauty, right? So like every year uh, in Pella, Iowa, I'm from Iowa, so in Pella, Iowa, they have a tulip festival. Festival. So you see the beauty of all these tulips, red and yellow, and you know all these orange, all these different colors. Where'd that come from? That comes from the beauty of God. Because he loves, but more than that, you love beauty because he loves beauty and because he put it in your heart. And so that feeling of, isn't this beautiful, is actually a longing for God and who he is. So I don't know if that's the gospel per se. I mean, we could go into the more traditional. I mean, the Bible says that he's placed eternity in our hearts. And so I, I agree with that. But the way I have always understood the gospel and the way I offer it is, that, you know, the Bible says that everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he sit there and say, wait, are you saying I'm a sinner? Well, um, yeah. Well, well, how do you know that? Okay, well, have you ever lied? Yeah, maybe just a little. Well, that kind of makes you a liar. Uh, have you ever stolen something? Maybe someone, maybe you've, you know, stolen a pencil or maybe you've taken some time away from someone that maybe, you know, you shouldn't have. Yeah, maybe a little. Okay, that makes you a thief. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? The Bible, the Bible says that that everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that if you've broken one of the Ten Commandments, then you've broken them all, and that the wages of sin is death, which is a small little problem. I totally, of course, I, I believe that, and I, you know, absolutely would agree that we're all sinners, and that we all are in need of redemption of being brought back. The reason I don't start there, though, is because 
I'm not convinced that it's it's as effective as we would like it to be. You know, I think we all know that. We all know that um, we're not, you know, always the best people. What what I but, what I usually do is adapt it to the person. I mean, sure, you know, because for some people, and I would never say. You know, I'm sorry. I would never say that the that that the fact that Jesus died for for our sins and and that we take on His righteousness and He takes our sin that that whole thing is not true or not a part of it. So I totally agree with that, and that's all part of the gospel. But I think we have to start back with why is that true, and and is God? Um, and you're a big fan of John Eldridge and his you know ransom. Oh yeah. Oh, I I. I I know yeah. the, the ways that he explains the gospel. I think are so they resonate so much deeper because he calls out that eternity in your heart um, and your story. I once got to see him down in Colorado Springs. It was probably the best presentation of the gospel I'd ever heard, and it eventually was. You know, yeah. And Jesus, Jesus died for your sin, and He wants you back. But God did that because we're separated from Him. We are. We you know we follow the the path of the lies. I guess if you. Well, and it's funny because, you know, he talks about being uh, involved in a bigger story, which is if you if you actually sit back and think about that, everybody is living out a story. Everybody's writing a book of their life. But if we are called to a bigger story, that is what does that mean? It, 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 to me, it means you don't have to do stuff on your own. Now, granted, I tend to do that anyway, even as a believer, I tend to. You know what, man? I don't want to. I don't want to do it this way. You know. So, I mean, but yeah, that's that. I I am a huge fan of Elridge, and I and I strongly uh, recommend any of his books. So, do you have a book that has spoken to you? You know, Father by God was pretty uh, influential for me to just think about God growing me up, as it were. That's, that's his um, but also, most recently, I read all or listened to all things new. Um, which is his latest book. And that really challenged me in a way that I did not expect. You know, they weren't really new concepts to me because I, you know, I've studied plenty of theology. But the way he put it was just spoke to me deeply and called out in me a hope that I didn't expect. It was an unexpected hope to just say that all things will be restored to you, that he's renewing everything. And, you know, all the things that you lost in this life, this life sucks and is full of sin and death. They'll be given back to you. He sees that. That was really powerful for me. That just that that made me go not just long for eternity, but long for the Lord in a in a new. Do you have any final thoughts or anything else that you want to say or anything else you want to cover? I think I would love to just encourage your audience to keep listening. I, Teresa, I think you do great work. I love that you ask such deep questions. You won't let me get away with a superficial answer, which is awesome because I because I like to do that. But yeah, so thanks for the opportunity. You know, everybody, if you want to check out Halfway There, you can just go to halfwaytherepodcast.com and it's it's all right there. And you can subscribe or you can just check out one episode. And uh, Teresa, I'll send over the link to that one that story that I, I shared about ripples of the gospel as well. Yeah, please do, and I will and I will link over. I will link to that. And guys, I mean, this has been a really good i mean i've really enjoyed this interview because i really enjoy eric if you listen to his uh his interviews and when he when he when he starts you know asking people about their story he he doesn't let people just get away with uh casual answers so 
I would strongly recommend check out his 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 podcast. If anything else, it'll make you think. And that's always a good thing. So with that, Eric, thank you for coming on the Unresolved Life podcast. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.